Hello and welcome to Drive and Double Feature Podcast. I'm Nathan. I'm Ryan. And this is the podcast where we talk about two movies a week every Tuesday and Thursday. But before we get into today's movie, we have a Patreon over at patreon.com slash drive and double feature podcast. You can actually support us just for $5 a month. You could help us get into streaming services and stuff like that. And also you get fun bonus episodes exclusively on there where we do like fun BuzzFeed quizzes and review kind of modern movies. But getting into today's episode, we are talking about Tenebre from 1982, directed by Dario Argento, our first time talking about an Argento movie. Um, He's kind of like, we've talked about Giallo here before, which if you don't know, it's like Italian horror murder mystery. Um, Argento is kind of considered like the best of the best of that bunch of people. This is the first one here. So I, I don't know. I'm excited to talk it's, about Tenebre. It's almost surprising that we haven't gotten to him yet. I know. I, I'm I'm surprised too. Um, and so the reason I picked this one, Ryan, I have seen this movie before. Um, I watched it a few years ago. And uh, I happen to love this movie. I think... <laughs> I think Tenebre rocks. Uh, I there's something about it that I really enjoy. So now that that pressure's put on to you, how did you feel about it, Ryan? This movie sucked. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I expected. <laughs> no, I no, it was it was great. I mm-hmm. I really did like it a lot. Um, just so surprising how some of the cinematography in this movie. Like mm-hmm. that's just, I don't have that lens where I see notice that stuff a lot of times where it, like, mm-hmm. but this one, like there's like this one shot that tracks through an entire home and it's yeah. just the, one of the craziest shots I've seen for a movie. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's mind blowing that whole sequence. Like I think that's Argento is because I think about Suspiria, right? Where, his movies look so radically cool and do such like cool things that you do notice it, you know, it does pop out at you cause he's trying a lot of different stuff. Um, but one of the, another thing that I really love about this movie, and I just got to talk about now the music it's goblin, which is Argento's like normal uh, band that he would go to. And I think the theme to this, to this movie is great. And the movie just pounds it into you throughout the entire movie. <laughs> Yeah, they also did Suspiria. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they they just, I don't know, really good synth-heavy stuff. Um, but unlike Suspiria, this is more of a murder mystery slasher movie than anything supernatural. It's kind of like back to basics. That's what he was planning on doing. It was like, I'm going to just make a normal murder mystery type giallo movie. It has a lot of the same tropes from all the other ones. Black gloved killer uh, <laughs> uses, uses a razor blade. Yep. Um, lots of blue and red lighting everywhere. It's mm-hmm. it, it checks all the boxes. <laughs> yes, it does. It checks all the boxes. And I mean, of course, just like another in that one that we covered, uh, New York Ripper, except that one has a duck voice. This man speaks, whoever talks on the phone and is the killer has to speak in the lowest voice possible or you can't understand what they're saying when they're speaking. <laughs> um, oh, and dubbed, of course, uh, you can't you can't get away from a dub. 
Yeah, why would you have their natural voices? Yeah, that's so weird. Why not call them in so they try their hardest to match with the lips? Can you imagine if you watched a like Tom Hanks movie or something like that, and it's just it was a completely different voice coming out of his mouth the entire movie? That would be so weird, right? <laughs> like I couldn't imagine. Like, luckily, the only actor I really know from this movie, like John Saxon, and he pretty sure he does his own voice here. So at least that's the same. <laughs> And he's got a snazzy hat. Yes, he does. One of the best parts of this movie. Like, he loves that hat. And he talks about it. So uh, this movie is about an author who writes a bunch of murder mystery novels. And he, somebody becomes obsessed with it and starts killing people. So you have that plot. But then you have the writer kind of going through his motions. And that's where John Saxon comes in, who's his, uh, his agent. And he has that snazzy hat and they talk about it. And he's like, yeah, I got this in Italy and it doesn't it look nice. And, and he asks like, how does it stay on your head? And he does like a motion where he whips his head back and forth. And he's like, see, doesn't leave my head. <laughs> I want, I wanted more moments like that. Like- I, yeah, I forgot. Cause it, it's been a few years since I watched this. I forgot this movie has like some silly moments like that in it. It's like not afraid to be a little goofy, which I can appreciate that from a horror movie. When it gets serious, it gets pretty serious and hardcore. Well, I wanted to talk about the very, very beginning of this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, After they do like the little credit intro, Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, author, he's going to the airport, but he's biking to the airport. I, I, I just was like, that's so odd. And I'm, Mm -hmm. Then he has because you figure if you're going to be biking to the airport, um, he didn't have any luggage, but then like his car was also following him, I guess, like his chauffeur with the luggage. Yeah, I'm like, that's (laughs) I don't know, it just seems very inefficient. And then after he gets off, I was like, man, I'd be like pouring with sweat and everything. And then that's the last thing I'd want to do is get on an airplane. Yeah. Imagine the person that had to sit next to him on the flight. Like I feel bad for that person. (laughs) Well, then he had to change his clothes like in the airport and he was, you see, he had like he had like his clothes hanging everywhere yeah. in the airport, like it was like a hotel bathroom or something. Yeah. Is this like a normal thing? Like, is this a thing people do? Like, because uh, you see that sometimes in movies, like people like shaving in the airport bathroom and like, it, well, mainly the terminal. But that man was living in the airport. <laughs> this guy uh, is not living in the airport. <laughs> I think I've seen a guy shave once in my entire life in the airport. Really? I don't think I've ever seen it. I haven't fly- flown that much, but <laughs> I, a weird thing to do in front of a bunch of people in an airport bathroom where you have your luggage next to you after you bike there, of course, because I bike to the airport. And that's just the yeah. way you should do it. Um, but yeah, I, I this airport sequence is funny because he does get a call. I was just like, it takes you such like back to a time and place whenever someone on the airport intercom has to tell you that you're getting a call at the main front desk while you're leaving. If you wanted to get in touch with somebody, you would have to call the airport to ask them to put you on the phone. Yeah. And then it's like, it's not even a good conversation because the whole time he's talking to this woman on the phone, he's like, I'm going to hang up. If you keep doing this, I'm going to hang up on you. Stop. <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> And then those people are just like staring at him like, uh, <laughs> yeah. can, we, can we have our phone back? Wait a second. Aren't you famous writer Peter Neal? Uh, which, you know, that everybody knows Peter Neal, right? I was about to say he 
for an author, it's, uh, you know, there's very few authors. I could probably put a face to a name. Yeah. And, but I, so he must be like just Stephen King levels. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there's like just a few like in Stephen King being like the biggest one. So I guess he must be, but it sounded like listening to the dialogue that this is only like his third book or so is what it seemed like. Cause he, they only talked about two other ones. Um, Oh, no, I was just oh. gonna, what what a impact this man must have had for well, three books to just be like instant mega super superstar. I know. And like, it, it's weird because they sound like the trashiest novels because they're about like murdering and like it's about a killer and like a, it sounds like a sexist dude. And he gets ambushed because he gets right off the airplane and he goes straight to an interview. And this woman shows up and is like, how do you feel like, you know, you treat women like garbage in this book like what what's your deal like what's your problem well not only that when he gets off the plane this woman greets him like so happily and then and then that same woman yeah then starts grilling him with questions and then after he's like what the hell and she's like oh you know don't take it personally it's just my job and it's just and then the she's magazine. like and she's like oh my mother would love it if you'd call her again yeah they like know each other on a personal level it's so weird um, but, it, but has no problem raking him over the coals and yeah. being like why are you such a misogynist pig yeah and i i take this all and like reading into it this is kind of like dario argento's meta thing it's like he is like he, he is this character peter neal and he's it's him going over the criticism that his movies are sexist and kind of like the everything that goes into that and i think that's really interesting that he got to this point in his career where he can make a meta movie about himself yeah well it's pretty clear right away that that's yeah. what it's doing because mm -hmm. this movie they they said oh well you just feature a lot of women getting horribly murdered and that's mm -hmm. what dario gento has a lot of imagery like that in his old movies and yeah and then and this one proceeds to do the same thing so yeah. it's uh it's like showing how they kind of align and they use a lot of uh they mention religion a lot too in this movie which mm -hmm. uh, argento has done in the past too so uh it's just all the calling cards of art dario gento's past yeah and it all comes to play here um in one of the craziest moments in this movie is the shoplifter woman from the very beginning of the movie who is sh is stealing peter neal's new book tenebre and they catch her uh and it it's just horribly dubbed i think this part is so silly but i do love the camera of the person watching her shoplift like kind of moving but come to find out just like the <laughs> store owner <laughs> yeah i i like it. and then she gets captured by the police mm -hmm. and She's like, oh, come on. Like, she's basically like, oh, come on. Can't you let me out of this? He's like, maybe I can make it up to you. He's like, you're not gay, are you? And <laughs> yeah, that was like, oh, you're not going to take a bribe? Uh, then you're gay. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not going to sleep with me to get me out of jail. Uh, you must be gay. <laughs> yeah, sounds about, that, that sounds like a Giallo line, <laughs> which yeah. we'll get into it later. Um, but she she's the first victim in the movie and her death is just a slice on the neck but she gets pages of the book Tenebre shoved down her throat when she dies so that's how it gets connected to our author here and we have a lead detective that works with him and uh, I don't know Peter Neal in this movie I 
there's something I like about this character because he's it, it's almost like he's playing it nonchalant. He does care and he almost becomes his own detective. But whenever he hears anything about a killer, he just brushes it off and he's just like, oh, <laughs> it's kind of silly, you know, kind of kind of deal. Well, yeah, because uh, the ki- when he first arrives to Rome, because the woman that was killed, she was obviously a fan of Peter Neal and the mm-hmm. police are already suspecting him, which that part I was like, okay, well, he just got off the plane. So I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but anyway, he, uh, the killer does call him and he, he almost gets like kind of like excited when the killer calls him. It's like, Hey, you know what, you know, about that woman that you killed. And he's like, who told you about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's there? Well, it, it, he's like on the ball, like a cop, like as soon as he picks it up, he knows it's the killer and he's like snapping. He's like, Hey, Hey, get over here. We got to start recording this track, this line. Like he knows he's like, I want to talk to you. Can we meet sometime? <laughs> just kind of funny uh i one of the better lines in this movie is the detectives like oh you know it's just like your book and he's like well if uh if somebody shot somebody with a gun you wouldn't call smith and weston first to to ask them about the killing i was like okay that's kind of funny i that i thought that too because when when he was questioning him i'm like because i was i was I like to think of points to say during the podcast like yeah like analogies like that and i was thinking like oh that's like if you like did that sort of thing. I was thinking something along and he said, it. I'm like, Oh, okay. He said it for me. Wow. We <laughs> should have him on the podcast. I know he'd probably be more entertaining. Uh, oh, I'm not saying that. Where is, <laughs> where is this guy? Anthony Fran. Oh, he dead. He Rest in peace. But speaking about that guy though, apparently yeah. Dario Argento did not like working. Really? With, I didn't know that. He said he was one of the most difficult actors that he's worked with. Wow. I mean, like looking at his career, he's been in a lot of movies, a lot of classics. It, it looks like he won a Golden Globe for um, career from 1959. I don't know that movie. He's in a face I, in a crowd. And he's Oscar nominee, too. Yeah. So he, he has a long history. Um, and I, I guess maybe you get to this point. You got to travel to Italy to make your movies. You're filming in Rome. Maybe, maybe you're just a little miffed a little. Well, that kind of happens a lot uh, with these actors. Uh, they either go to Italy because they're like in the twilight of their career. And that's like the only people that are willing to pay money to or that or they're a young up and coming actor that hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. and they end up making their name sort of like Clint Eastwood did. And yeah, then exactly. but that it reminds me of a lot of. Uh, you know, my favorite director, Quentin Tarantino's movie, yeah, uh, Once yeah. Upon a Time in Hollywood, where <laughs> the actor went and worked in uh, Italy for a time period. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the best parts of that movie where it describes the movies he was in and all that, because it's like it really shows like that time and place in history, like kind of what actors like him would have done. Uh, also, this actor was married to Shelley Winters for three years. So <laughs> interesting hopefully it's not like he ran all the way and she met him in a swimming pool or something oh Uh, yeah hopefully it wasn't like that meeting at all uh, let's hope not (laughs) um but uh so this movie ends up this movie really plays into the murder mystery angle of this it's not it's a slasher movie there's a bunch of killings but it's more about finding the killer than i would have expected the first time around to watching this movie um i will say 
So one thing I will point out about this movie is I did guess the killer kind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I could right almost right away because they make a point that they they make a point and say like, oh, there was this weird guy just like hanging out in the corner, and then they're like, oh, that's uh, Cristiano. And like we're gonna be interviewing him later. Don't worry. And then yeah. of course he's like the most antagonistic interview that he's had. So. Yeah, I'm like okay, and then, oh, that's a sp- spoilers, by the way. A spoiler for a 40 year old movie. I think we'll be okay. Um, but yeah, no. So yeah, that the, he ends up being the killer. But what I like about this movie is he ends up only being the killer for maybe 75 percent of the murders. Well, what I was gonna say is, it, this movie did throw like a big curveball at me mm-hmm. afterwards because I was kind of like, okay, it's so and so. The part I won't reveal. Is yeah. a- afterwards is because this movie once you kind of think of what's what was going on it's something else was kind of playing out behind the scenes exactly exactly and uh, that's what i i think like that like i uh, i was in the same boat you know you can tell that guy was going to be the killer but i do like what they threw at you afterwards yeah that's uh, not the end of the movie there's definitely a lot more happening afterwards so i didn't yeah. i didn't reveal the big ending mm-hmm. but uh this killer he uh they one of the best sequences in this movie, it's a sequence I, I, I love, is the, the lesbian couple. Um, what so, a scene. Yeah, what a scene. What a scene. I, their, their intro is really weird because she's a reporter and her girlfriend sleeps with a man for like a story, I guess, is what it is. Um, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, well. And she's like jealous of, of yeah. her. Well, yeah, because... She is, her girlfriend is kind of like the steamy, like sultry one. And yeah. then, and then the girl who was the one uh, grilling Peter Neal at the beginning of the movie, that's mm-hmm. her lesbian lover. And she's more of like the nerdy bookish type or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And uh, they have an argument in their house and <laughs> it's, it's such an argument. Like the girl, one of the girls is just naked, like yeah, the whole she's time. Just naked. <laughs> and you just this. Oh, by the way, this movie is does have an amount of sleaze to it. Like, there oh, of is, course, yeah. <laughs> there's definitely plenty of boobs and all that. And then, mm. um, but she has like, oh no, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. And like, it, it it's it's not like she's fully nude for whatever reason. She just has one boob out, and it's out for like. Well, she's covered in a towel otherwise, but and it's just out the whole scene. And this is a long scene, by the way. She never is like, I'm going to cover up. I'm a little cold or, or something like that. Well, yeah, She just got out of the shower. She's still wet and everything. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to have this towel loosely hanging around, my, hanging around my body. Yeah, it's it's silly. But uh, the thing that sticks out about this scene is after this, it it's like a whole tracking shot, one shot sequence of the one woman downstairs and then from outside the house the camera moves through the windows you see through the windows over the roof like there's a long period where you just look at the roof and then you go to another set of windows and like you just look i it's so cool like i never would have thought about doing anything like that i don't know how they i know it's a crane shot but it just seems like a lot Completely pointless in terms of storytelling. But, yeah, it doesn't really do anything. <laughs> but it's a great, great shot. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, and the woman upstairs, I love it. She's blasting music and the woman downstairs is upset. And she's blasting 
just the Tenebre theme and music from the movie. And she's like, turn that down. Just listening to the movie's music. She, she had like a beer collection too on like her okay. pop show. <laughs> I didn't notice uh, that. <laughs> it's like all, she had like all these beer cans, like on the top of a bookcase mm-hmm. type of thing. And so I was, I was wondering what, what that <laughs> was all about. I don't I, know. I, they probably just filmed it in somebody's house and they're, and that's just what was in their room or something. Yeah, I, probably. And I mean, the way, and I mean, there's no character development with these two. They, they do die. They do get killed. Um, and one of the coolest shots in the movie is with dumb setup, of course, is the, the girl downstairs. She's just like, she's scared. She thinks there's a killer there. And she's like, I need to change my shirt real fast. <laughs> So she takes, yeah, she takes a shirt and she puts it on and for like a solid 10 seconds, she can't get it over her neck. She's struggling. So the killer takes advantage and slices the shirt and you see her face through the shirt and then you see another slash and blood appears. I think that that's just a cool looking shot. Uh, It's so good. They used it as the poster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, I, I don't think this shot specifically, but I, I've read around a lot of knocking off from uh, Brian De Palma and a few other movies uh, later on. We'll, we'll get into it, which I find really interesting. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, specifically one shot in the end where a guy is standing there and gets killed and the killer's behind him. That is used in Brian De Palma's Raising Cain, I guess, which is a movie we'll get to at some point. I, I own that on Laserdisc, actually. Oh, exciting. Yeah. But no, this movie is graphic. I do think it's a good amount of blood. We, we've seen more on the show, but for some reason, this movie is like banned in a lot of countries. This is part of the video nasties in the United Kingdom. It was a movie that you could not rent forever. And this movie's still banned in Germany. Like it's still a movie you cannot get in Germany, which is super interesting. Well, you know, you're right, though. It doesn't. There is a good amount of blood, but it's like I feel like we've seen worse, even by yeah. those that those timeline standards of that time period i agree even in the 80s i feel like i've seen worse but i mean maybe it's one part specifically at the end to jump ahead a little bit there's a whole really great ending sequence and a woman gets her arm chopped off with an axe like through the window and she's just holding her arm and blood is just spraying all over to the walls that's the one part where i was like wow that's that's really graphic (laughs) yeah um can I tell you my favorite scene from the movie? Yes, what's that? Okay, so Peter Neal's character is staying at like a house type of thing or like a mm-hmm. hotel, bed and breakfast, something like that. Uh, anyway, the uh, it's the uh, owner of the hotel has a daughter. Yes. And yeah. one, one night she's just, she's out walking and yes. there's this Doberman, this dog Mm-hmm. that wants to get after her this is the most determined dog on the planet i know i i have to ask the question who let the dog out because because oh the, no he, yeah he, he well he's behind the fence and he leaps and he can't reach over the fence and if you were a normal person you would walk away but for some reason she gets a stick starts banging the fence and then next shot, she's walking down the road and the Doberman's out. <laughs> the Doberman's well, just you, there. I know. I don't think the dog, I don't think anyone let the dog out. I know. Okay. I think he jumped over, but. Oh, were you making a joke? 
I was making a joke. Uh, oh. But I mean, still, it's like this dog is determined to kill this girl. This girl is running for what feels like forever. And this dog is just full on sprinting. This girl has jumped over. I don't know how many different fences. There's this one fence that's probably like 10 to 12 feet, would you say? Yeah. And yeah. And this dog, and they don't cut away from this. This dog like throws itself onto the fence and climbs the fence and jumps. Who is this Doberman actor? He's like what the Chuck Norris of dog actors. I'm surprised he didn't get like exported to America. Yeah, I know, right? I wild, but uh, no. But what I find funniest about this scene is the dog chases her exactly to the killer's home. <laughs> like, what? What is the logic here? Like, I mean, I know stranger things have happened, but that is so, like, like a luck base that she ends up right in that killer, right in the killer's place. Yeah, and uh, she starts finding evidence for, about the killer and everything, and then, uh, but the killer does eventually catch up to her and mm-hmm. murders her with an axe, and just the POV from the killer from the axe. Mm-hmm. That's a great shot too. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, I guess like to put it in the terms that like, I really love this movie because it's style is so cool. Like it looks great. It's a, it's a, it's always really cool to look at. And what I really love about Giallo's, which we've talked about a lot in here is that they're not afraid to be stylish. They're not afraid to really just like put their look out there and like, I know there's certain people that really go style over substance and that's a bad thing, but I necessarily never really feel that way. I mean, there is a point where it gets bad, but I here, I think the style is perfectly great to be a part of. Well, we've said it before. I'll, I mean, I'll be the first to say for this movie. There's not like any standout acting performances or anything like that. And I wouldn't even say there was anything like great by any means but it's just these movies have such a mood and atmosphere Mm -hmm. to them it's just you watch it and you just kind of get immersed into the whole Mm -hmm. uh, genre of it just being like this a lot of these moody lights and dark backgrounds i mean there's a there's a scene where uh a character gets stabbed in broad daylight and just like bleeding out <laughs> yeah. everywhere. And that um, felt like a Hitchcock moment, actually, to me, like a, a person just getting killed right in the middle of like a city square almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then there's another axe kill where uh, somebody gets hit like, like square, like right in the middle of the head. And it's so like the sound it makes is so brutal. Yeah. It, it's gross. I, I think, <laughs> Getting to like the end of the movie, like I said, with the arm part, I think that's when it really gets like gross and there's blood everywhere. Um, there's a silly bit of foreshadowing when they show the sculpture for a second and it like makes the ding and that ends up killing someone towards the end of the movie. Um, which it's, a, it, it's such a silly way somebody dies. But I know it's, it's almost it's almost perfect too. <laughs> it works. No, this sculpture kill is really cool. Uh, I don't know. It, it's funny, and the movie ends on that. And of course, with a woman screaming uh, re- as loud as she can. And this woman, she was in shock, right? Was she? Oh, God. What? Uh, was she the mom? 
I, I think so. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, she was the mom, Daria Nicolodi. And you know what? She moved up in her career. This is much better than shock. I like this movie a lot better than shock. <laughs> yes. Um, but I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, now, I just think overall, I mean, there's some silly moments like a guy getting choked out in the car after he goes to the house and he remembers seeing something. So like he saw someone die and then he walks away and then he comes back now. She's like, oh, yeah, when I saw that person get <laughs> murdered, I remember they said they were the killer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. I remember seeing the actual killer now. <laughs> <laughs> just forgot that little detail yeah probably you know if you saw someone get murdered i i you'd probably remember a lot of it it's such a horrible thing you'd, to see you'd probably be begging to forget it yeah, yeah exactly um uh, but no i think that's about it from me i i think this movie is really neat i think it's a fun movie um if you really like horror movies i think this is a i think this belongs in like a good rotation of classic horror. Yeah, it's uh, definitely up there in terms of giallo movies that I've seen in the past. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen all Dario Gento's work, but honestly, like, I'm as much as I like Suspiria, I mean, this one is definitely one that stands out. I'm, I'm, I keep thinking about that a lot more. I would have to watch Suspiria again yeah, to, I need to-, uh, to, to determine what my actual feelings are. Yeah, I need to, too, because Suspiria was my first of his movies to watch. And I feel like I watched Same. it a long time ago. Um, but I know my taste personally, I, I guess I prefer more of slasher horror over supernatural horror. Um, but Suspiria is in its own league with the colors in that movie and everything. So maybe we could do that at one point. Uh, Argento a, it, month. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who? Hey. <laughs> um. But yeah, you have anything else? No, I think that's it. I uh, definitely a huge recommend. Yeah, it's a recommendation for me too. But Ryan, what are we going to be covering on Thursday? Well, next time, Nathan, I you know this one. Let's let's do an easy movie. You know, I've heard there's certain types of women that are easy, um, but I forget what I'm who I'm thinking of. Um. Let me see. Uh, Mars, Mercury, uh, Earth, mm-hmm. Earth, Earth Girls are easy. I do agree. <laughs> Isn't that the name of a hit movie? <laughs> well, oh, maybe yeah. not a hit, but uh, anyway, <laughs> we're going to be talking about the movie Earth Girls are easy, and it is available for free on Tubi, so you can watch that along with us. Yeah, yeah, and. If you want to recommend us something, you can email us over at driveanddoublefuturepodcast at gmail.com. You can also talk to us about anything. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, be sure to check us out over on Twitter at DIDFpod. But until next time. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>